from the pages of rpmnewsweekly.com, the site that brings you automotive news that goes behind the headlines. This is the RPM News Weekly Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the RPM News Weekly Podcast. My name is Peter. With me as always is RPM News Weekly co-founder Rich Tabor. Rich, say hello. Howdy, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. Uh, we're going to talk about today, I, I, there's a lot of like EV news floating around. And, you know, we originally started this whole show well the whole website concept we we definitely want to have a focus on evs but i don't know if we've just kind of haven't had a lot of stuff float up recently or but i just happen to notice a lot of you know some small some big stories going on in the news and uh, what's going on with you well Anything other than that? enjoying a little bit of uh hometown new bedford style portuguese favish and a coffee frap uh which is homemade uh really brings me back to my growing up in uh, new bedford uh, the fathers are great. Uh, I don't know if you've ever, ever had anything like that. Uh, so, so. Uh, really? Although Portuguese food and coffee ice cream don't sound like a natural combination. Oh, yeah. Culturally, <laughs> yeah. I think they are. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, coffee really? fraps. Yeah. You, you can't find coffee fraps everywhere in the world. And if you want to get a really good coffee frap, you got to come down to uh, the Twin Cities here, either Fall River or New Bedford, and you'll get a really good coffee frap. Let's try to think. My earliest uh, coffee frat memories, I think, were from Brigham's. If anybody's from New England, they might remember Brigham's. Yeah. Which yeah. started in Newton, right? I think it started in Newton, Massachusetts. Yeah, that's part of the, the Dunkin' Donuts empire, isn't it? Brigham's? I thought so. Oh, no, no, no. You're thinking of Baskin Robbins. Oh, okay. All right. I had the B. I had the B. I got to check. I'll have to check my sources. Oh, Brigham's has been around for ages. When we were kids, there used to be one in Lynn, actually. Uh, of course, we were poor. We didn't have any money. We couldn't. We couldn't afford to get anything. We, but you would go in there, and just ask the guy for like a water. Just, just because when you went in there, all you just smelt was just chocolate. You could smell like all the, <laughs> the the chocolates they sold, and and of course the chocolate fudge was always sitting there on, in the pot, you know, kind of warming up, and it just smelled so good. But uh, they they had a, you know, they were around for a hundred years or so. I think mm. they, they went out of business around 2013. And it's funny because if you go to, uh, uh, not Acton, I'm trying to think of what town it is. It's the town around Acton. One of the towns around Acton, and the, the, basically the sign is still there. Oh, it's yeah. Still on a build, it's still on a building, and it's like, oh, a Brigham. Uh, no, wait, that can't be. <laughs> it can't ha. be a Brigham. But they never, you know, for some reason it closed down, and they never took the sign off the side of the building, which is kind of odd. I kind of want to go steal it. Well, listen, but, coffee, uh, coffee, coffee fraps were so popular in this area and coffee syrup that there was actually a, a coffee syrup company uh, that made a pretty good go over it a while back as I was growing up it was called Silmo S-I-L-M-O and uh, it competed with Autocrat uh, for coffee syrup uh, so anyway we diverge already and we haven't really got very far into I actually have a, a big thing of uh, of Oreo uh, coffee Oreo upstairs. I think I, I want to go for this now and go upstairs and make myself. <laughs> I actually, no, that's no, true story. wait, there's more. This <laughs> uh, is, uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us this week uh, on the, <laughs> the Portuguese food hour. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, yeah, I'm not really big on the ethnic stuff, but uh, food. I, I never was good at spicy food. And I grew up in uh, a very, you know, sort of bad, you know, bad diet American family, you know, where, where cheeseburgers and Pizza was a big thing. Well, I do have I, 
I do have this spicy little tidbit that we have to gnaw on for a little while, I think, today. And that's uh, the news that Tesla filed lawsuit against Rivian. This, this is actually from late July, uh, but we're just getting around to it, and it's still yeah. new to us. Uh, but that's uh, that's in the news, uh, and I think maybe we should kind of dive into that a little bit. Uh, but but back to your, your uh, you know general statement about there being a lot of things happening in the EV world. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, you know, in addition to the this lawsuit, uh, which uh, kind of pits the the two truck makers, pickup truck makers, the the two foremost pickup truck makers are soon to be makers. I was gonna say the uh, two two pickup truck makers that don't really make pickup trucks yet. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they're out there, uh, and then you've got, uh, of course, in the background, Nikola Corporation, uh, with what they're doing with the, the bigger trucks, and they've got a truck out there too, a pickup truck that they're they've got going on, and uh, and uh, Solo. Uh, you mentioned uh, something to me earlier on today about uh, Solo. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what were the details on that? Okay, so yeah, I guess we'll start from small to small vehicle to larger, I guess, because if you're not familiar with the Solo, it's the Electrum Mechanica Solo. It's basically like a personal electric vehicle. It's it's three wheels. It's intended for obviously like commuting or, or city driving. So it's it's kind of a weird looking thing you know it, it the front sort of looks like a normal car but then the back only has one wheel so it's 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 not like remember the elio i i, I used to I, I had a lot of hope in the elio remember the i think that company's mm-hmm. oh yeah that company's dead and buried i don't know what happened to them they were they were so dedicated to building a gas engine for that elio motors car i think they sort of killed themselves when in reality it looks like they should have just went ev with it uh yeah that would make a lot of sense uh, but yeah. you know you're so, right about the you're right about the looks of the solo that that it, the the rear wheel the the third wheel is, is uh, covered over so you don't really see it so it's strange it looks like a front end of a car going down the road right it looks like a car that was kind of trimmed into a whittled into a triangle <laughs> you know what right I mean? right uh, you know so looks aside I mean it it doesn't promise to be anything more. You know than what it is. They basically come out. This is it. This is a a, a very efficient vehicle that you can use. You know, it's got like a hundred mile range and a max speed of eighty miles an hour. So it's on par with say your what people would call compliance SUVs. I mean not SUVs, compliance EVs like uh, the Fiat five hundred E and the in the original Nissan Leaf. You know, in, the, right. in that range. Which, but in Massachusetts, you know, at least, you got, you'd have to register that solo as a, as a motorcycle, right? Because it's well, that's the thing. You, you register it as a motorcycle everywhere, even though they they have crash tested it. Uh, but it, there's a lot of they're having a lot of trouble with. Um, and, and Elio actually kind of led this this um, this charge when they first came out. It was was kind of fighting these these kind of archaic laws where something with three wheels has to be registered as a motorcycle. As a matter of fact, what is the, the Polaris slingshot? That's a three wheel vehicle and that has to be registered as a motorcycle. Right. Doesn't make and any it, sense. Which, for, for... But, but but that's not the, really the problem. Registering it as a motorcycle is not the problem. It's, it's the fact that, that you get into a weird gray area with helmet laws. So if it's registered as a motorcycle, you technically have to wear a helmet. So if you drive a, uh, if you drive this car, in Massachusetts, which has a helmet law, you'll have to wear a helmet because it's registered as a motorcycle. Which... But then, but then, you would not have to put airbags in the in the car, uh, either. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Yeah, and and that's 
and that's the thing like but um a few of these companies they they were they they were adding airbags to these vehicles you know they were they were trying yeah. to make them well, safe well, as a matter of fact right Oh yeah, I'm not trying to make a case for making the cars less safe, uh, which is even just, weirder because if you're wearing a helmet, you know, can you, you wear you a may helmet not, with an airbag. Yeah, you may not, <laughs> you, right. You may not want that airbag to be bopping you into your your helmet. Yeah, uh, I yeah, don't know. So, that, yeah, it is interesting. It does open a bag of tricks there, or a yeah, bag of, of surprises. So, in, in the, when you look at like the Polaris slingshot, like I brought up, which is in production, it's a gas-powered three-wheeler. You know that. That obviously doesn't have an airbag, so I, I guess you could see the argument can be made for for having to wear a helmet on that. But but like Elio, that one of their plans their plan was to to include, and I, I don't remember if this has. I don't think that the Solo does. I'm gonna say I don't think it has one. I'm going to look at the website now, and they, they don't really they don't say. Well, they'll have to kind of follow up with that. So so anyway, the reason we talk about it is is you know back in in back in March or, or was it um, uh, trying to think they, they, they had sort of an open house they, they did like sort of a grand opening of their I don't know if a grand opening or kind of like a tour of their, their, their factory in China they finally got because they had been building vehicles on a very limited basis in Canada but hand building them it's almost like prototyping you know they did like the first 50 vehicles they weren't mass produced in any way they're all hand built they were getting parts and stuff from China or wherever their manufacturers or the distributors are but but they really weren't in full production so they were a little bit cruder i think they kind of got a little bit of a couple knocks in the in the automotive press because they weren't super refined and and you know the argument is well for eighteen thousand dollars which is the msrp why wouldn't i go buy like you could buy an i3 right now you can buy a used i3 with no miles on it for under eighteen thousand dollars i mean why would you buy a single seat car with less range when you could buy a car from used from an established brand, BMW of all places. So basically, the question is: Are they a little bit too late to the market? Like, if they had gotten in a couple of years ago, where the average EV, say like the 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 i3 and the and the and the when those were new and those were just out, you know, maybe they would have beaten them on price a little bit now. But uh, that looking what's seeing what's out there used. Uh, are they going to have a tough time selling this this vehicle is basically my question well yeah at that price certainly and especially because i think this there'll still be a battle with the case you know of the of how the car looks which kind of leads me back to also the way in which the tesla uh cybertruck looks uh you know right. uh, it's not so much the idea that both of them and maybe more so the cybertruck have this kind of desolate futuristic kind of look to them uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, you know is the market ready for something uh, that will take them that far? Maybe the, you know, the uh, test or aficionados would say, "Of course they are." You know, we're ready to go. Yeah, um, and they and they are. They they are because because here's the thing: like, there's not a lot of economy pickup trucks out there. You know what I mean? There's not like fuel efficient. So the pickup trucks are sort of like a, a almost. You know, remember the hum the Hummer H2 or the Hummer when the Hummers were out? And those were sort of the lightning rod for 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 green car fans or aficionados or whatever that was sort of the the hatred all the hatred went to the hummer h2 because it was just a big stupid gas burning you know pointless vehicle and and, and i think pickup trucks have kind of picked that up a little bit you know so people who buy electric cars especially tesla fans they don't want the traditional pick like a lot of them they don't want a traditional looking pickup truck 
They don't want another F-150. They want something that's just new and radical. And, and you know, you mentioned earlier when we were talking just before the podcast about the Cybertruck and that it, it looks like it's it's something out of a sci-fi movie. I mean, that's the intention. The, the intention was to just go as far to the other side of the scale as you can. But then at the same time, the Cybertruck has some really handy features. And if they pull it off, it, it's 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 interesting. You know, it's it's it, it's not just because it has a weird design it's no less of a a, a truck than it than uh, say say it like a, an f-150 it as far as what it, what it can and can't do you know as, as far as the bed and in in uh, the four-wheel drive and, and the capability so we'll, we'll yeah, have to t- see if they you know. towing towing capacity it's you know yeah it's got a lot of right. a lot of a, a lot of uh, truck characteristics that one would who is looking for a truck would be interested in. Uh, it, but it, it proves that it's a rear-wheel drive vehicle, uh, uh, as a truck. Might, many, you know, most of the trucks are. Uh, its range they're touting 500 as as up to 500 mile range. But what I'm seeing also on their spec page is that it's uh, 250 plus miles EPA estimated. Uh, and I I don't know that the EPA has estimated anything on that truck yet. It might be that they're expecting. EPA to give it yeah. at least a 250 uh, because the truck is not really being manufactured at this point. It hasn't been out. No, no, not yet. Yeah. Uh, so, so does it say EPA estimated or estimated EPA estimation? Well, it said <laughs> it has in parentheses yeah. EPA EST period. Uh, so, and I've I've checked on uh, fueleconomy.gov. Uh, it's not listed there at all yet. So, uh, yeah, there's so no way they could uh, have an EPA estimate on that. It's not it's, right. It's not even uh, they don't have a factory built yet. Yeah, no. I mean, may, maybe they're doing the same testing that they know the EPA is going to do, and this is what they're getting for for their numbers. Right, and and two fifty, that's that's the single motor. See, they're doing they're doing a single motor rear wheel drive, and then there's two versions of with all wheel drive. There's the dual motor and tri motor. Right. Um, and, and and so you have to get the tri motor to get the five hundred mile range. Well, it's certainly a fast. Know. You know, it's a fast enough truck. You zero to sixty, they're, they're touting six point five seconds on it. Uh, you know, how does that compare with the Rivian R1S, which is the Rivian, which is expected to be uh, launched sometime next year? Uh, it would have been earlier, but they ran into the pandemic like so many other projects ran into right. it. Uh, so uh, zero to 60 in three, three seconds is a faster truck in that respect. Uh, 400 plus miles, they're estimating uh, Boston to New York City and back. Uh, and it's got a Quad motor system? No, but that's that's the, the the SUV has the quad motor system, right? Uh, uh, are you talking about the Cybertruck or the Rivian? Uh, I'm talking about the Rivian at this point. Yeah, I, I think I think that's that there. Take that one back because that's for the that's for the the Rivian uh, SUV. For the um, oh no, it does have a quad motor system in the truck as well. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's um yeah, it's four. It's it's got the same sort of concept as the Tesla with, with the with the skateboard style mm-hmm. frame, but it, it has four motors. I, I don't know if they're outboard or the like on the wheels or if they're sort of inboard in the suspension, like you would find. I think they, I think they are. I think they they still sit sort of inside the frame rails, but but uh, you have two you right. know, or two on each end of the truck, so to speak. It does out. Or, it does, so it does each, outclass. Each wheel. Right, but it does outclass the the. Uh, Cybertruck in terms of towing, it's a, it's an eleven thousand pound. Uh, it's capable of up to eleven thousand pounds of towing, uh, 
and, and it's got a, a waiting depth of over three feet. I don't know what that is on on the si Cybertruck, but I don't I don't sense the Cybertruck is is designed to to wait in water uh, three feet. I, you know, I, I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. I could be wrong about it. So I mean, and it's almost like the the two vehicles, the 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 R one T from Rivian, is definitely closer to what we are uh, familiar with in terms of of the uh, pickup truck look. Uh, whereas, right. whereas the the Cybertruck is almost nothing like. If anything, it, it kind of harkens back to some of the other light trucks that uh, were actually SUV bodies with with a truck bed on the back, uh, yeah. except you know with with maybe a tonneau cover over it. Uh, and other than the other angularities, the peculiar angular angularities that you'll see on the Cybertruck. Uh, well, the thing is with the Cybertruck, though, even though it is sort of built that, like you said, sort of like the Ridgeline, you know, the first generation Ridgeline and such like that. Uh, but the body construction kind of makes up for that. So it's no less just because it's not a frame on like an F-150 or, you know, has a separate steel bed. It still has that that sort of uh, it still has a lot of capability because because of the strength of the body itself. Uh -huh. is, is just something completely different, you know. Right. I think they on the, on the, on the Cybertruck. Just to go back, I think it's uh, fourteen thousand pounds is the max on the Cybertruck or the expected. And it's funny to say that because we're talking about two completely unbuilt vehicles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two yeah. vehicles that don't even that don't even have a factory. You know, it's like it's almost like fantasy football. You know. Yeah. Uh, are you say, are you <laughs> saying like, the the towing capacity? Yeah, yeah. The tri the tri motor Cybertruck. They're saying up to fourteen. Oh, oh okay. All right, on the tri motor. I was looking at this. You can, you can if you're on yeah, the if you're I, on the website, you can click. Yeah, yeah. I got it. I saw that the uh, the single motor is is seventy five hundred. Yeah. Um, but so you know, so the, the, well now that we got the oh. two those two trucks sort of like right in our grips here, uh, and they're right before us. What about what's going on with the, with this uh, lawsuit for, uh, Tesla filed against Rivian? Uh, it's it, 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 uh, on the surface, you know, you might say it feels like the big kid beating up on the small kid. Um, it, it, but, you know, maybe it goes a lot deeper than that. Uh, you know, we're, we're all familiar with, you know, uh, uh, companies wanting to cherry pick uh, employees from from their rivals and bring them over to to their side. Happens all the time. Uh, or or uh, employees leave, uh, executives leave and and. And then within a year or two, they get picked up by a, by a, another manufacturer, another company. Uh, but this goes a little bit deeper. You know, Tesla filed this lawsuit in, in July. Uh, and uh, let's see, I, I think uh, I've got a little bit about what some of the allegations were. Uh, uh, I think the, the, the heart of it was that there was a... Uh, a, a, a former Tesla uh, employee uh, came over to Rivian. I was recruited by Rivian and was encouraged to steal Tesla documents, including recruitment plans and pay and bonus formula. Uh, I don't think it went to anything about uh, patent uh, copyright infringements. It has more to do with intellectual infringement and and gathering contact data. Uh, downloading contact information for employees, and, uh, and yeah, I don't. Yeah, it didn't have anything to do with sort of tech or or you know design. I mean, they also they're also in the middle of a lawsuit with uh, with with Nikola, the company that's you know creating the Nikola Badger, but that's over the semi, and that that is related. That's related uh, 
directly to design because because you know Nikola is accusing Tesla of stealing stealing some ideas for the, for their semi. Um, and and that you know that lawsuit's kind of going forward, but it's kind of weird because like they're suing them on, on Nikola suing Tesla like over the cyber the the um, the Tesla semi has like it doesn't have like traditional doors you know it has it has like one door and you walk into it basically uh, so you know Rivian suing them over I mean not Rivian now I'm gonna keep getting them confused Nikola's suing them over that they said that that infringes on their on their patent mm -hmm. to have a to have a truck with with say that sort of entry like a, I don't know what they called it but so but then you look back in automotive history and, and Nikola is not the first company to do a truck with a door that's not traditional you know so they're not the first one to do that and, and they're suing over the wraparound windshield you know so they're saying that that Tesla stole their wraparound windshield design well you know wraparound windshields I mean that's a little flimsy well, you know. well, well, in a kind uh, of a way, in a kind of a way, and uh, uh, you know, with this Rivian Tesla lawsuit, there's there's a lot of it that is, you know, it seems like um, these are things that uh, we might expect to to see in the corporate world. Uh, there is a right. there, there it can be cutthroat at times, but you know, one doesn't expect that uh, uh, if you hire an employee from another company that they're going to come over with a box full of all the trade secrets. Uh, obviously, stuff that, that someone gains by experience working at a company, and they bring over with them. That's why you're going to hire them. So, so, so trying to sue someone based on that, uh, even though some of the companies, you know, they have those uh, non-disclosure agreements that are supposed to, you know, uh, partly protect them from that. Some of those non-disclosure well, agreements get get tossed out in court anyway because they're too restrictive. You know, you can't make some make it so that someone can't uh, have a livelihood after they leave your company. Uh, simply, right, simply but, because they were at, they were at your company, uh, but then on the other hand, you know you don't expect them to you know download a bunch of information and take it with them, uh, and, and that's what they're accusing one one employee of doing. They're saying that that one of them uh, one former employees actually sent documents to a personal email, and those documents were related to setting up a factory, robotics and manufacturing, autom uh, automation processes, and that stuff is is protected i would imagine and and you've got to for them to go this far you know to go with this lawsuit and bring it out you know a lot of people say oh they're just trying to, to suppress the competition which you know maybe there's some of that but but they've got to have some good they've got to have a, a pretty good paper trail if they're they're actually going to court with this well i think you know what um, what probably really bothers them about the rivian uh, you know if this if there's you know we'll see what how it pans out in court uh a lot of times these things end up just getting settled uh, and uh, you know the offender gets you know has to cough up a bunch of money, uh, but you know yeah. I think it's at a critical point uh, and a critical time for Rivian as well because uh, you know they're wanting to launch this truck and we all know that the you know the charging networks uh, around the country are not uh, especially fantastic. Uh, there's some good corridors of, of charging networks and Tesla has built their you know their own you know. Uh, uh, charging networks for their vehicles, uh, which has always been kind of a little bit peculiar to me that you know they're, they're, we're not standardizing that uh, to the, to the, to to a, a higher degree. Uh, you know where you've got the Tesla type of of, of plug-in versus you know, the one that most other companies are using. So, well, but but you know Tesla did you know I mean they have uh, they have about seven. I would say seventeen thousand or just over seventeen thousand superchargers in the in the world, and in about two thousand charging stations. 
so but but here's the thing you know tesla spent years when when the when the they first announced like the model s they when the model s first rolled out and, and, and started getting going and the model x came out they were they were putting funneling tons of money into building a they, they knew that they had to do a supercharger net like it had to be a network to charge these cars that was one of the main things yeah and and nobody really wanted to get in on that and they've offered elon musk has publicly offered that he said you know if any manufacturer wants to use our we're open to that idea nobody because none of the none of the legacy manufacturers want to they don't want to appear that tesla's helping them out you know it just came up in the news this week that electrify america is using uh tesla power walls uh at their at their uh at some of their charging stations as power backup and and, and they're literally scraping the tesla logos off <laughs> off the 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 power walls because you know I guess they and and now of course they've come out and went no of course you know we 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 they put out a statement or something on on Twitter to the you know to the effect of uh, oh yeah no we use power walls we just you know <laughs> you know they came up with some dumb thing like that oh I thought everybody knew that basically you know it's 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 stupid these legacy people they don't want they they, they laughed at Tesla and they just laughed you know what I mean they laughed at electric cars they laughed at what they were doing and I'm talking like you know back before even like the leaf came out in the in the uh i think the leaf is what the leaf's probably the earliest well that, yeah but that sort of plays into my argument that it's a little bit like the the big kid on the block wanting to 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 punch the small the little kid in the block you know because he's uh he's got something that maybe uh tesla has a little bit to be concerned about uh you know and, and i think in a way you know the, the between the two trucks I think that the Rivian has a, a much better potential for being successful in the American truck market as it exists right now. You know, the the, the truck truck buyers. I think uh, your uh, you know your uh, buyer who will buy a truck the next time they they go out for another vehicle and will probably buy another truck after that. Uh, they're more likely yeah. likely to to put an eye on the Rivian than they might be on the. Uh, Cybertruck. Now, I haven't done any mo- right. market research to say that that's true, but I, my my instincts tell me that that's probably the case. If you're going to get them to go to an electric vehicle, it might be more visually, it might be more appealing to to have a Rivian. So I don't know if that's. No, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. I think. And, and here's the thing, but this is where kind of Rivian is in a weird spot because because you know their 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 truck. If if you haven't seen the trucks, the Rivian kind of looks like. It looks like a Honda concept truck. You know what I mean? It looks like it could be a concept truck for a future Ridgeline in some ways. Mm-hmm. So the the Rivian, I mean, the Cybertruck's out in its own left field. It's very polarizing. You either love it or hate it, or you hate it and then you start to like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like right, right. You, you see that a, a lot of that. But the, the 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 Rivian is more of a traditional shape, but it's still futuristic and it has a really neat front uh, yeah. headlight design and it doesn't have a grill. Right, it has right. these two little yeah. slots. So very but, distinctive. But then, but yeah, then for- Ford is also coming out with the the F one fifty. So now, if you're a, a, a long term truck owner or a legacy truck guy, are you going to go to a new company like Rivian, or are you going to wait for the F one fifty and the and the Chevy Silverado? Are you going to wait for your go to company to come out with their version of it? True. So that's why it- Rivian are, are they different enough to to allure electric car owners? And and I see it a lot when you see uh, electric like, especially with Tesla fans. They're not truck owners. They don't give a crap about trucks. They don't want a truck. And these people are like, wow, I really want a truck. You know, I really want one of these. So so I, I don't think that traditional truck owners 
give a crap about having an electric vehicle. And, and, and you know, like the, the, the many attempts to sell hybrid trucks has kind of proven that, even though they weren't the greatest to begin with either. Uh, like the Silverado <laughs> yeah. hybrids. I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember talking to a I remember talking to a dealer about one back when the first Silverado hybrid came out. The guy's like, no, we're not even going to order them because nobody buys them. He's like, we get them in, they sit on the lot. He's like, we don't even order them anymore. Well, you know, may, and, and, maybe uh, maybe what Tesla is going for or what they're, they're banking on is sort of the evolution of the of the truck buyer or the evolution of the uh, family vehicle into something that uh, takes some of the importance, uh, important reasons why someone would want to pickup truck uh, but also right. also put it into a vehicle that can be completely enclosed at the same time uh, I don't know but I mean let's get back to some of the the n- I, n- I kind of want one just <laughs> I kind of want one just because it's so ridiculous uh, <laughs> so but that's, that's, some of the nuts and bolts of the of the lawsuit let's get back to some of that stuff uh, I mean what I, what yeah. I've been reading uh, so this is a reportedly uh, that there's uh, some uh, mapping data that Tesla uses to plan their, their charging network uh, that uh, uh, the test that Rivian apparently has had gotten access to, um, and uh, you know, so this I guess there's some concerns about uh, Rivian being able to block the te- te- uh, Tesla network plan. I don't know about that, but but uh, but then some of the, some other information too that says that the uh, some of the downloaded material included current staff's pay uh, bonuses. Uh, uh, con- and templates for contracts as well as potential uh, personnel uh, coming from other companies uh, hmm. and uh, uh, and the pay bonuses pay and bonuses that uh, they can offer so so I mean you know that's you know that's really that's kind of private information uh, you know to have yeah. someone taking that with them I mean if it was just simply you know someone taking downloading names and, and addresses and phone numbers well that, you know that that's that happens all the time you know uh yeah you know you you work for a company you've got your your cell phone you've got your, a lot of your contacts listed on on that you have you know us for example who you know uh where we work with the press association and we meet a lot of people in the automotive industry and we and we and, and we may be doing a, a couple of things uh, you know, wh- one of them is is that we're working for the company that, that we maybe get a regular paycheck from, uh, but we're also doing uh, independent and and uh, correspondent work for other outlets. You know, so so those contacts are important. You know, and, and the fact that you might have uh, either acquired them in the in uh, the process of doing a job for one particular entity versus doing it for a different entity. Uh, you know, they become part of your personal baggage, so to speak, and, and so so that I wouldn't have as much difficulty understanding. But when it gets down to exactly what people are being paid uh, and other you know more personal aspects, yeah, well, that's kind of going, maybe stretching it a, a little bit. So maybe right. so and, and- so maybe there's some overreach, uh, and they'll get they'll get uh, they'll get the you know slap on the hands and. Uh, uh, you know they're saying uh, Rivian is is actually pushing back, saying as you would expect that uh, that they, the, the the charges are baseless, uh, and we'll see. You know where it comes to uh, what happens in, in uh, you know in all of this, and whether or not uh, well, they get fined, you know they get fined or they agree to some settlement, or the thing just kind of goes away, uh, you know, in the months to come. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you were talking about, like, as far as blocking, say, you know, 
supercharger network planning. You know, it might not that might say, oh well, who cares? They stole. But but if Tesla had done a, a bunch of research using their own data or talking to different um, towns and cities or, or businesses and say they've got a plan, you know, oh we need a charger here. So here's you know if there's a, if there's some sort of if there's some sort of research that they've done into locations, uh, and, and then Rivian has that information and they swoop in and go, all right, and, and they sort of beat them to putting, putting. Now I don't think this could happen, but you know, say say that there's a building that or or a location. They said this is perfect for a Tesla charger. You know, let's put this here, and then Rivian swoops in and makes a deal and puts something there. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous to think that that would happen that quickly. <laughs> you know, right, anyway, right, right. But but but. But it's sort of like if McDonald's had a plan for where they're going to put a bunch of restaurants and then Burger King got a hold of it and put restaurants on those corners, you know, then they're harmed. You know, McDonald's has been harmed because they stole that plan and didn't do their own research on it. But here's the other side of that. Now, and Tesla is, is pretty, you know, they, 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 they have a reputation of, of, of being able to, to uh, sorry, Tesla has a reputation of being pretty strict with security. They, they know how to they know how to find if employees are doing funny things. You know, they, they, they're good at investigating that type of stuff. I mean, it's a software company. They, they know how to look into their software, so to speak. So so there might be some validity to what they're saying. But the other side of that coin is is how do they prove that, that, that Rivian set that up? You've got to now prove that somebody at Rivian went, hey, okay, you stop Friday, but this is what I need from you, you know. I need to right. know this, this, this. You, you, that's what you've got to prove, and I don't see that they're going to. Well, you know, going to prove anything. You and, know. and you know, there's a lot of scuttlebutt that's being tossed around. Uh, that that somehow there's an Amazon connection. That, that uh, recently, uh, Rivian was uh, secured a, a a deal with Amazon to purchase a hundred thousand vehicles. I heard 10,000 but then I've read that it's actually 100,000 vehicles. I mean, that's got to yeah. that's got to definitely put uh you know, put Tesla on notice that that one of their competitors uh are li- soon to be competitors, I I guess in a way. Uh you know, is has secured a big deal and 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 that uh, maybe this is, you know, aiming to set Rivian back on its heels a little bit. Uh, you know, you, you, you kind of, you know, in, in the, the world of, of um, you know, just doing things in, in, in a kind and, and straightforward sort of a way, you'd hope that they're, they're not coming to that conclusion. It would also, I, would, I think that that sort of, of concern would, uh, acting in that kind of a way because of, of the, those kind of concerns. Well, I mean, there's some history um, of that, too, uh, you know. know. It, Jeff Bezos and, and it's on it's unsafe, but but it's unsavory, you know. I mean, in reality, you know, some some people might say, well, that's the way business works, you know. Well, why does it have to work that way? You know, is is it uh, necessary, you know, to? I mean, it's certainly necessary to protect your 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 assets and to protect your interests. No no question about that. But you know, to to have to kind of, you know, hammer down a an up and coming company. Uh, you know, uh, because of uh, you know some some bad blood between you and 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 uh, and uh, another company, you know. Yeah. In this case, like uh, the other co- other company being Amazon. Supposedly, there's no love lost between Amazon and Tesla. I don't know. That's right. I, I, there there is a, there is a history of feud, like sort of uh, public feuding or taking jabs at each other between Jeff Bezos and and uh, and, and Elon Musk. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. it's. There's a history of that, you know, 
Musk, uh, well, I think more recently I, called Bezos a I copycat. Hope, you know, I, yeah. so. I, I hope that they're, they're a little more grown up than, than just probably kid, not. You know, kid, kids in a sandbox, you know. Well, didn't uh, uh, Bezos have a have an issue with Sears at one point too? I'm trying to think, how is some history to that? I have to look more into it. But where basically, was it was it Sears? I want to say it was Sears. Something fell through between Sears and Amazon, and then and of course you know that went for Sears. It didn't work out. I'm trying to look into that google search it or something i'm sure somebody will correct me if i bring it up but well but you know well I, I, as i look at the clock we'll probably have to plan that for another episode yeah i know <laughs> it's not a, just the top of my head i was just thinking about it I, I just remember something to do with you know what's the other trying to think now so we covered everything we set out to cover we, we <laughs> i guess we have and more uh we didn't well, talk about yes um, stay, 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 stay tuned, or make sure you drop into uh, rpmnewsweekly.com every so often and get some of these updates. Well, that's our our, our show yeah. tonight. Rich is going to go uh, go back and eat his crap with his uh, Favish. What did you say, Favish? Favish, yep. F A V A S. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And a yeah. delicious Portuguese mold. <laughs> I'm going to go. Uh, did you say mold? It sounded like you said mold for a second. Uh, no, no, no. No D on the end of that. It's a, uh, it's a mold. Mold you. It's a, it's a Portuguese word for sauce. All right. I'm going to go upstairs and make that right now. All, all right. right. Probably don't have the ingredients. I'm just going to go probably Salisbury steaks or something. All right. Anyway, thanks for tuning in to the RPM News Weekly podcast. Don't forget to check us out at rpmnewsweekly.com and uh, find us on YouTube. We're looking to get our subscriber count up a little bit. Maybe you could like some videos or even share them, which would be nice. Uh, uh, before we go, we're going to leave you with an interview from the 2019 New York International Auto Show uh, where Rich got to talk to the chief engineer of special projects of Rivian, uh, Mr. Brian Gase. He was nice enough to talk to us about the brand and you know what the brand means and uh, some other fun stuff so uh, hope you stick around for that interview and uh, we'll see you next time take it easy Peter hello Rich Tabor for RBM News Weekly here in New York City at the New York International Auto Show and I'm speaking with Brian Gase he's the chief uh, engineer special projects for Rivian a new entrant into the virgin field of electric vehicles How's it going today, Brian? Going really well. How are you today? All right. You've got a lot of folks coming in through your booth. And yes. Generating a lot of interest. I suppose that uh, a lot of them might be uh, that you've got a pickup truck, an EV pickup truck, plus you've got a multi-passenger three-row SUV. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. So we're, we're really excited here. I mean, we debuted these in, in LA uh, late last year. Uh, so this is our second show as a company. As a company, we've been around since 2009. For anyone that hasn't heard of us, we were very quiet up until when we bought a, an assembly plant and then uh, when we started showing vehicles in LA. So if you're gonna come out to New York, come out, everyone in the green jackets, we're Rivian employees. We're really excited about what we have to show. Well, you know, tell us a little bit about the difficulty it is to get a manufacturing company that's gonna make automobiles and especially in a field that is not especially that popular in the United States, at least not yet. I know we're seeing a lot of numbers that are much larger in Europe yeah. and perhaps we'll be getting there in the next couple of years, but. How difficult is that to get that? To so I think if you look at a company from a perspective, there's a lot of capital needed to create a car. I think the coolest thing about today is some of with the technology changes, particularly in electrification, some of that investment is reducing because it's a, it's a more even playing field. So what we're able to do from a technology side, bring stuff up to market, uh, we're able to do it very quickly and we're able to do it in a way that 
that really pushes on the technology and the research happening in, in, in the battery world today. Um, uh, Difficulty-wise, some of the great things for us as a company, I said we were really quiet for a long time. We got our investment in line. We started building our team. We got our suppliers on board. We purchased an assembly plant. We put all of these steps together before we showed the world what we were doing. Now, those steps took the years of the company being around, but most people look at it and say, what have you been doing for so long? And we're doing exactly what your question was, which is the hard work of getting an organization put together. Well, if timing uh, is everything, as, as, as we often oh, hear, uh, you could be poised really at that, at that critical juncture where uh, more of the public in the United States begins to take a closer look at uh, EV vehicles. Now, explain to me why uh, you, you jumped right in at a multi-three-row SUV, yep. and, and a lot of the other manufacturers have seemed to have shied away from from doing that. So, if you think about electric vehicles in the early days, I mean, the '90s, up until you know some of the the, the more performance-based ones came out recently, they were very much about efficiency. What you want as a as a car maker is something that people are excited about. So some of the reasons that I feel we've, we've brought in our investment and we have a plan for success and we have a lot of, as you said, attention and attraction here is we have products out that are compelling and exciting. If people want to buy your product, you're going to be more successful than if you're trying to push something to customers they don't really want. So if you look at the U.S. specifically, we've got a truck that is unlike any other truck out there, not just from the electric side, but also from the performance, the duality of on-road and off-road capability. We've got a very comfortable, very refined seven-passenger SUV. It's got a lot of storage space. It's got a lot of room for your family. Um, these are the, the heart and soul of what the American market wants vehicle-wise, and we're doing it in a, a performance way through an electric powertrain, through our electric skateboard that's low and gives a lot of space for storage and a lot of space for occupants. Um, put out something that's really compelling. And uh, that's what that's what we're the, really the most excited about is actually the product that we're making ourselves. Well, on the performance side, then both of these vehicles are on the same platform, and uh, they're uh, uh, the the battery ha is the same size battery that would provide them with the power. But what's the uh, longevity of uh, not not just in terms of years of use of the battery, but also uh, how far can you go on the charge? Yeah. So we have three battery options, same battery options across the SUV and the truck. So. R1S and R1T both offer 105 kilowatt hour pack, 135 kilowatt hour pack, and the biggest pack is 180 kilowatt hours. On the 180, you can go up to 400, 410 miles of range. Um, that's based on EPA drive cycles. So when you go off-roading and do things, obviously that drive cycle changes. Um, but based on published numbers, you're looking at 400 miles of range. You're looking at a vehicle where you're gonna drive it, normal daily commuter, plug it in at night in your garage, get in the next day, um, and the battery battery is going to last a long time. It's going to last the you know, life of the product, and we expect you to have these things on the road for quite a long time. Now, for those folks that may not have a garage to plug into, uh, many folks in, in the urban environment may not have that opportunity or the ease of access. Uh, you see some shifts, perhaps, in the way in which we deliver the, that electricity, or how yeah, the, they might charge it's, up. It's really interesting. If, if we had this conversation 100 years ago, and you said, well, why am I getting rid of my horse? How am I getting at a gas station everywhere I have to go? The reality is all these entrepreneurs came and set that up and putting an electric charge station in compared to a gasoline station is infinitely easier. I've already got power. I can connect up a, you know, a 220 really quickly, pay a little bit more and have a DC fast charge. Our vehicles run off of the SAE standard uh, CCS charge port. So um, everything that you can charge most vehicles on, you'll connect ours into. But that entrepreneur that's running that convenience center 
If you tell them, hey, someone's gonna plug in, get 200 miles of range in 30 minutes and come into your shop, it seems like a no-brainer from a, an investment side for them to put in that little bit of infrastructure. And, and so this doesn't really even just have to be at a rest stop on a highway. No, it doesn't. It could be anywhere. This could be an employer, for example. A Absolutely. place for employment or when you shop downtown or at the mall. Yep. So the two vehicles that we have uh, here today, we were driving them around New York City this weekend. We plugged them in a parking garage where I paid to park and charging was free. And we plugged them in in a public charge area where it was 25 cents a kilowatt hour. Just plug in charge up a little bit, continue on your drive. Um, what's great is people are inviting that. And I think back to your, your point on the, the electrification of America and truly electrification of the globe, that is happening at a, a growing, consistently increasing pace. So all the companies that are out setting up charge networks, building out this infrastructure so that the you no longer have to have the chicken versus egg conversation. Once the grid is out there, it, it's a lot lower barrier. The exciting thing for us as, as an auto manufacturer is, once there's more charge networks, people will get past some of that range anxiety. You can reduce the battery size, you can reduce the cost of the vehicle, and you can still have something that's extremely exciting and compelling that is you know, not trying to deliver the same 400-mile range that we are currently today. Well, I know that you've got your work cut out for you, uh, but here in, at the show, I can tell from the interest that's being generated all around here, uh, I think particularly because you, you seem to have hit the right mark with going with a, a larger SUV and a truck, uh, I mean, the SUV, of course, because of, of the utilitarian, utilitarian aspects of it, easy for someone to just get in, get filled the car with whatever they're shopping or with their family um, and uh, take it to work. And, and, and it would behave, at least on the surface of things, like any other car. Yeah. So the biggest thing I want, I want people to leave with, and everybody that comes by or looks up stuff, it checks out our website and follows us, um, we're an electric adventure company. So what I want you to do is not just go to work and back. I want you to get your best friends. I want you to get your family. I want to take my wife and my three boys, put them in the car, go out camping for a weekend. And the best thing to do when you go on those adventures is you take your friends with you. You don't go by yourself. So I want a vehicle that's a bigger footprint, bigger platform that you can do all that stuff with. Right. It's convenient for us that now we can put this technology in and have a very compelling price point. You know, it, it's not the, $20,000 low cost segment we're trying to go into. It's the aspirational, I want to be in a vehicle where I can take my stuff with me, where I can get my best friend, my dog in the back seat. He can be happy. We can go out to the mountains. We can go on a trail. Um, and we can do the things that we care about. And the vehicle can be a part of that story. Well, it sounds like you've got the looks and you've got the goods for the for, to deliver them. So I uh, wish you lots of luck with Thank the you. vehicles and very nice talking to you. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Once again, this has been uh, Rich Tabor here at the New York Inchaps. And our show with Brian Gase from Rivian Motors. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the RPM News Weekly podcast. Don't forget to check us out online at rpmnewsweekly.com for more automotive news and interviews.